Zebulon for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. He used to be with the FBI. Then he became an FBI whistleblower because what he was assigned to do was really good work protecting American people. And then it turned very political. It's Steve Friend. Steve, how are you? Good to see you. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, well, you've got a new book out. It's called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Is that out now or is, are we waiting for it to come out? Uh, it is out now. came out last week. Good. Okay, go and get that. Again, it's uh, True Blue is the main title. Uh, as an FBI agent, you and I have talked about this a lot. You've been on the show a few times now. Um, you are actually out looking for pedophiles. You're looking to stop sex offenders, especially those going after children. And it was really, really good work because you were protecting kids, protecting families, protecting neighborhoods. And then one day you get sort of reassigned. Can, can you walk me through that again, where suddenly you were no longer looking for the worst of the worst, you were told to look for somebody else? Yes, it was towards the end of the fiscal year. So the, the government's calendar rolls over in October. October 1 is the first day, and it was September, and there was a call from my executive management level to my frontline supervisor at the time, and I was having a conversation with him, could kind of hear through the phone what was being said, and they said, Steve is going to be reassigned to work domestic terrorism cases so my frontline supervisor actually pushed back on that and said, well, he's doing some good work with the child pornography work and the human trafficking work. And I could hear very clearly them say, well, that's no longer a priority. That is no longer going to be resourced. That is going to be considered a local matter going forward. He needs to move over to uh, domestic terrorism. Can you think, I mean, in your heart of hearts when you heard about that, were you thinking, well, maybe there's really wild and crazy domestic terrorism I don't know about. I mean, did you think that, that this would be happening, especially in a time now where the border is so open? We know human trafficking is a major scourge that's coming across our border. I would think the feds would really focus on that. But did you think to yourself, well, they must know something about domestic terrorism that I don't know, so I'll, I'll hear them out. I did, because I, I'm willing to say that it's not an if-and, it's an and-also situation okay. that just need, needed my attention. As long as you know, it, we're addressing a legitimate threat, uh, I'm a team guy, but I was willing to, to give it a, a chance. As a team guy, did you find out quickly that there was a desire for domestic terrorism, but there wasn't enough domestic terrorism to fill that desire? Without question. The demand is way more than they, they vastly outstripped the supply of it. And then that's why I became concerned about how January 6th was being handled, where they were opening a separate case for every person as opposed to running one case on paper. And it was creating this false illusion that we have thousands of terrorists and we're spreading them around the country. So in my case in Florida, we were investigating people for committing a criminal trespass in Washington, D.C. Wow. Why do you think they want this? What, what, what is their goal? Now that you've thought about it, because again, you said you were, you're a company guy, you're, you're, a, you're a, a guy who wanted to do your best job as an agent, you're somebody who has an impeccable record, both as a cop and a, and a federal agent. Did you, have you come to terms with why they want this? Why do they need this narrative to be alive and well? Is it about arresting and, and putting behind bars anybody who disagrees with the current government? I think that that's half of it. Half of it is this political narrative that they're trying to push forward that anybody who happens to pull the lever for a Republican candidate for office is anti-government and a white supremacist, which is what Joe Biden talked about last September as being and being the problem. And those are the two top priorities for the counterterrorism division. And the second half of it is, is just purely financial. And that is integrated program management, which is very McKinsey style labeling for a quota system that the FBI operates under, where it has to hit a certain number of metrics that's tied to its budget for the number of cases it opens and arrests it has. And the grossest part is that you have senior executives who get compensation in the area of thirty to fifty thousand dollars when they hit their quotas. Oh wow! So it's almost I'll compare it to like a a, a traffic cop. 
And I, I'm a great friend of police. I'm a, a great supporter of the blue. I'm not calling out individual police officers, but it's obvious that by the end of the month, they're pulling more people over because they haven't, they haven't met their quota. Now, every cop will tell you, we just don't want people to speed. But if people stop speeding completely, they'd lose a lot of money, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's not just with terrorism. That's just the, the, uh, the charge that they're looking for more so now. But in my career, I've had opportunities and things come across where I was told, hey, don't indict that subject until next f- fiscal year because we already hit our numbers and we want to sandbag until next year. What is that? I mean, that's, uh, it should not work that way. You and I, I think would agree. It's Steve Friend. Um, Steve, people can follow you at uh, Real Steve Friend on Twitter, Truth Social. It's real underscore Steve Friend. And get this book. It's called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Are you still employed by the FBI today? No, I'm not. I had to resign to accept my current position at Center for Renewing America. Okay. I requested that from the FBI, but they denied me as part of their whole retaliation process. They try to really starve you out. Have you got a lawsuit against them? Is it possible you'll get paid what you weren't getting paid when you should have? Yeah, I've talked to the inspector general's office about retaliation, and I've actually been in contact with uh, with congressman about getting back pay for all the whistleblowers, and they seem to be supportive of that. And certainly in the case of Marcus Allen, who was out of work for about a year and a half, right. and then Garrett Boyle. Uh, who's still looking for work now, uh, nine, ten months after having been suspended. Yeah, you mean Marcus Allen, who didn't do that tweet but was questioned about it anyway? <laughs> yeah, he, he, well, he did comment on a tweet that somebody sent at some point from somewhere, so good on him. <laughs> it's, it isn't? I thought that the law of the land was to protect people like you and Marcus and, and others and Kyle and everybody else. I thought the law of the land was you could not punish a whistleblower for just bringing something to light that needed to be brought to light. But when I saw you guys in front of Congress... And when I saw the questions and the arrows and the and the shots that were being fired, it was the Democrats' job in their minds anyway to make make all of you who would blow the whistle look like a bunch of idiots, look like you were horrible Americans that just hated the country or something. Isn't there a protection in place for you? Yes, there is. It's a Whistleblower Protection Act. But unfortunately for us, the uh, the FBI has found a way to circumvent that with our security clearances. And they suspended it for trivial reasons, for, in my case, for looking at the handbook improperly. Was the actual l- l- code violation that they got me Yeah, Steve, what is that? Out. I mean, it's the handbook. You can't look at it? Well, they told me that uh, I looked at it improperly because my lawyer asked me to get a copy, and I got it uh, using an unclassified jump drive, even though it's an unclassified oh, document. Come on. So you needed a classified jump drive to take an unclassified document and show it to your lawyer. Shut up. Come on. Come on, it's Steve. It's absurd. It's absurd. But, you know, it, go, go back to the uh, to the hearing. The, the thing that they, they accused us of being potential spies and question our patriotism, said we were grifters and, and bought and paid for. But, you know, the one glaring absence uh, that came from the entire Democrat side was they never said we were wrong. It, it, well, they can't. Had they said that you were wrong, they would have been in trouble. It is uh, Steve Friend. Go follow him at Real Steve Friend on Twitter, at Real underscore Steve Friend on Truth Social. The book is called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to, to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. I also find that there is a desire for white supremacy when it's not available. There's a desire for racism when it's not available. Why, why do you think this now, I believe, weaponized, I think you agree, weaponized DOJ, needs there to be the boogeyman? Is it to control the rest of us and make us think, oh my God, you know, white people do hate black people, or there is racial division, or there is division between genders or between sexual orientation. Is it a matter of keeping us divided to control us? I think so. I think that that is a huge portion of it. And I also think that just tactically, that callous of being called a racist, bigot, sexist, homophobe that the media has always labeled the right with has just gone so thick that there really isn't a response to it now. So now if they can call you a terrorist, it's kind of a fresh wound that they can keep throwing out there as red meat to their political allies. And really now at this point, they can weaponize 
the levers of power. They can send the FBI, which has arrest authority after people for saying things that they find to be offensive politically. It's uh, Steve French. Steve, do you, do you believe that Christopher Ray knows that there were at least informants involved in January 6th? That's why he will never answer the question. It's a simple question to answer. Was anybody affiliated with, uh, with working with undercover for um, a, a confidential informant for the FBI or the DOJ involved in January 6th? And he just won't answer it. Why not? Well, he's doing the same thing that they always do, hiding behind ongoing investigations, can't reveal sources and methods. Uh, Christopher Ray, in the past has said he's pretty much bubble wrapped and, and kept insulated from anything that goes on, uh, which got the question is leadership style at that point. But, you know, I think if you go anybody around the, the leadership circle, Paul Abadi, anybody else down the rank, uh, they are certainly aware of what went on that day. This was always briefed as being the most important, largest investigation in the history of the FBI. If there were informants at play there, they uh, they know that and they are compelled to submit to the oversight responsibilities that the Congress has over the FBI. Well, Congress does have oversight. You're right. And, and the fact that you just mentioned that is important. It's the next thing. That's the check and balance. The FBI, the, the executive, has to answer to the body that's voted by the people. And they're refusing to. Why do you think they're getting away with that? It, just like this FD 1023 about Biden and his family. Why exactly do they have the right to say, I'm not going to turn it over? It's unclassified. It's something when they first let them see it, it was redacted. The part that was redacted that it was that there were 17 audio recordings of either Joe Biden or Hunter Biden with this oligarch in Ukraine. What makes them think they don't have to give in to the check and balance system that we have in place? And they're getting away with it. I think you have a Republican Party that's just not putting any teeth behind its yeah. threats and its requests. It's just sternly worded letters. And it's it's functionally no equivalent than coming to a gunfight at the OK Corral and one side brings their six shooter and you bring a letter from mommy. You're just not going to win that fight. And the and the Republicans have to be willing to use the tools at their disposal. They have to use this Holman rule to zero out salaries and programs, use appropriations process to actually defund significant portions of the government. Otherwise, it's just, again, going to be letter from mommy and they can be laughed off the stage. If I hear the term domestic terrorism, I think somebody building bombs, going to blow up buildings like the Murrah building in Oklahoma City. Um, uh, if somebody domestically did 9-11, that would be a domestic terrorist. Somebody like um, uh, the, the Weather Underground that tried to blow up the Pentagon, that's an, that, that is a domestic terrorist. But it seems, and you and I have talked about this many times, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems the DOJ has stretched the definition of domestic terrorism or terrorist to be somebody who's praying at an abortion clinic, a parent who shows up at the school board meeting. I mean, was that your finding, Steve, that really got to you, that they were just calling just basically anybody a domestic terrorist? Yes, the way that they're interpreting uh, how they should carry forward a domestic terrorist investigation, there's supposed to be a predicate ideology. And look, we were told by President uh, by by President Biden during the debate that Christopher Ray had come forward and said that Antifa and BLM, that's just an idea. That's not an actual organization. Well, that's a predicate for a counterterrorism investigation if it's an ideology. But the way that the FBI is interpreting it is they're saying, well, those aren't ideologies. But if you say stop the steal, that is an actual worldview. That's an ideology, not just merely an opinion about an election. And we should throw everything at you as domestic terrorists. But it's no different than the way that they're reinterpreting the law, where they're going after process crimes for people, where they're saying that walking in the Capitol is really impeding an official proceeding, which is a, a tax law that came out of Sarbanes-Oxley from the Enron investigation. But we're going to reinterpret it because we want to 
jack these people up with felonies when they just maybe at best committed a, a small misdemeanor. That is crazy. Uh, the name of the book is True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. It's Steve Friend. It, what, what blows my mind is is what you said about Antifa and BLM. BLM had its charter online. It said what they were, LGBTQ organization looking to dismantle or disrupt the Western nuclear family, looking to push uh, get, get rid of the patriarchy. I mean, they had a complete ideology that was online. They took it down. When people like me noticed that, I, I got a screenshot. Uh, but but it actually said what their bylaws were. This is what we're going to do to change this country the way we see it. Antifa, they literally have meetings and they, they contact each other on social media to go and gather somewhere and bring violence. And they're covering their faces. They're basically the modern age KKK. They literally wanted you to believe those, those were not real organizations. They were not real movements. But if I st- sat on my show and I said, man, they're accepting mail-in ballots that I don't think were legal. Stop the steal. I was a terrorist. Yes, and I think we've sort of devolved into the final stages of show me the man and I will find you the crime. And that's why you looked at that radical traditional Catholic intelligence report that came from Richmond. Uh, that wasn't specifically, I, I think, a grievance list against Catholics. That was looking at ideologies like being pro-life, pro-border security, pro-traditional marriage, pro-Second Amendment, and then taking a step back and drawing a circle around any group that you thought had those beliefs. So they're, they're trying to find these political opinions and characterize them as potential domestic terrorists and and turn the the dogs of war against half the country. Yeah, but the First Amendment literally says I can have political opinions. In fact, I think it was put in place so we can argue about and criticize the government. Yeah, the First Amendment also says you can go and redress your grievances in front of the government, which uh, a fair amount of people did on January 6th, and they're saying in the sitting in gulags now. And not not and not getting their Eighth Amendment rights. They're not even getting a hearing. These people have not. They can't get out on bail. It's all pretty sick. It's Steve French. Steve, I know that they took away your badge, your credentials, and your gun. Are there lasting ramifications? Can you get a gun now? Can you go be law enforcement if you want to be? I think it would be pretty difficult. Uh, they revoked my security clearance the day before I testified, which was certainly coordinated from the FBI and from the Democrat Party and from the media that was all put out the night before I had that chance. Uh, certainly, if there is a sheriff, uh, he can overlook that and he wants to bring me into the fold. Uh, but the work that I'm being able to do right now, uh, advising on domestic intelligence and security for Center for Renewing America, I'm basically giving an opportunity to investigate the investigators. And then um, take it one day at a time. It's it's hitting a stone with a hammer. It might break on strike number 10,000, but that doesn't mean the 9,999 before it didn't count. And I'm just going to bring it out day by day. I know some people in school board meetings, some people at their local church, some people in their local government are waking up. They're starting to realize, holy mackerel, we were asleep and government became so broad and so large and so controlling that it's almost too late, but it's not too late yet. Are people waking up enough? What do they need to know if they're not waking up enough to say, okay, the DOJ really is politicized, it really is weaponized, and they will shut you down if you dare look at them you know, with a side eye? I think they have to know that there's alternatives. We, we existed as a country before the FBI. We can certainly reform it or, or operate completely with it, with it gone out of the picture, and, and it wouldn't be a huge change to their life. I think the best thing we could do is look to the past and look to the way we used to elect senators in this country. We pulled them from the state houses. It allowed the states to give the personnel to the federal government. And we should do the same thing with federal agents. Take away all the guns, all the criminal investigators who are armed from the FBI, let them carry out investigations, but force them to partner with local sheriff's offices, police departments, have those guys be deputized. And that'll give the locals the final say as a stopgap measure to prevent uh, to prevent an out-of-control FBI from going after citizens. That's a great idea. So in other words, they've got investigative abilities, but not law enforcement abilities. They can't arrest. 
Yeah, precisely. And I think that that would uh, actually make the agency better because there's so many times that I had a chance to work with task force officers who were 10, 12 years working in law enforcement, had the necessary experience to carry an investigation forward. They just didn't happen to put in an application to the FBI. So there are some great detectives out there, and I think communities would benefit from giving them the arrest powers as opposed to some lawyer who happened to go to Quantico for 20 weeks. Yeah. I'm almost out of time with Steve Friend. The book is called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Just last question on this, and I wonder if you agree with me that it would be very, very difficult. Can a Republican, should he win uh, or she uh, in the next election, could they really do something to, to either reform, revise, or get rid of the FBI or the DOJ? Yeah, the way that it's actually constructed is the attorney general general can basically nominate the the, uh, the FBI members. It, it's not a shall. So there's there's quite a bit of, of latitude. I think the Republicans should actually reinterpret things the way that uh, the Democrats are if they want to pull the FBI back from the brink. I agree with you. True Blue is the name of the book. True Blue, my journey from meat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower. It's Steve French. Steve, I appreciate you coming on. Great work that you're doing out there for the American people. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Joe. Hi, right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. I appreciate Steve Friend coming. Uh, Steve Friend coming on. He's uh, an FBI whistleblower. I hope he gets all of his back pay. He certainly should not have been punished. And and the the insults and the the, the ridiculous things that were being said by the Democrats when they were in that hearing a couple of a couple of three weeks ago. Um, he should get apologies from them. Here's a guy that put his life on the line to defend those who are being sex trafficked, those who are being um, you know stalked by pedophiles, and they say, nah, nah, go focus on domestic terrorism." Doesn't make any sense. I'm glad he blew the whistle. I'm glad he keeps his head up uh, his head up high. We'll have him on again. Next hour, very conservative guy. He's my U.S. representative, District 21 Republican, Chip Roy. And Chip and I have not talked off offline, and we do talk offline sometimes, about his uh, support for DeSantis. Recently came out, he's supporting Ron DeSantis. Now, those of you who are MAGA, those of you who are Trump supporters, those of you who, who believe you should get a second term like I do, it doesn't mean we shut down people like Chip Roy or we don't listen to Ron DeSantis or whomever else is running for president at this point. I think that we're smart to listen to everybody and give everybody a chance to be heard, but I'll be voting for Trump. If he's the nominee, in the primaries, I'll be voting for him. And if he's the nominee, I'll be voting for him as, uh, as the nominee. If he's not the nominee, I'll vote for the person most like me, conservative means, um, when it comes to, to our value system, when it comes to how we believe on issues. But I'm not going to shut down the, oh, I'm all going to interview Trump and nobody else. I don't even think Trump would want me to do that, to be honest with you. 888-941-PAGS. I do ask Chip next hour, why are you supporting DeSantis? He gives a great answer. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. Stay right here. Joe Pags.